0: So beautiful. I'm going to sing that in heaven, just so you know. We can have our uh, young people go downstairs. Miss Ashley is going to have a great, great class and lesson and things for you. Ashley, you missed the, the great pictures of you today. Amen. Um, if you wanted to turn me real quick in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter three, we'll actually start in verse three and four. What are you known for today? and i'm I'm a traditional person and that I love I don't want churches to forget the the beautiful spark that the holidays present us, and uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and all the great traditions of the faith and Um, not that Mother's Day is a tradition of the faith, it started in, when did they start celebrating that? Dad, you told me, when did they start that up? What year was that, was official, you remember? He's going to look it up on his phone. Anyway. (laughs) Go ahead, when you get it, tell me. But, I wanted to talk today about what you are known for, and, um, let's turn on 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Women, um. This is a beautiful verse for you, but um, and it, it really, I, we can draw some focus from this. It says, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Isn't that amazing? And just charging our, our young girls here today and uh, just understanding that your beauty comes from within. And uh, and I want you to know, don't worry about all the outside outworkings of an appearance that way, but realize that the beauty that you get from your spiritual walk with God is the most precious thing you could ever have or give to your family. And it's so beautiful. Let's open with prayer. Father God, I just thank you today that our beauty does come from within. And God, it does come from a gentle, Spirit, a humble and contrite heart. And God, I thank you for our moms. As Rod was praying, God, we just continue to pray and thank you, Lord Jesus, for all of our moms in our life. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that we can draw from that understanding that man looks at the outside, but it's you, God, who looks at the heart. And God, I thank you for that, that we don't have to have everything perfect and everything put together for you to work or for you to minister. But that, God, you work inside and it comes from within. A fountain comes out. And, God, you just fill us all up today. And I thank you for that, God, that you look inside of our hearts. And you determine our motivations and where that's coming from. And, God, we just thank you for a spirit of humility that would come over us today. So that we can be used of you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. First things first. What are you known for? First thing I wanted to dive into today is a mother's love. How many had a mother's love or experienced a mother's love in your life before? It's pretty amazing. Maybe you didn't have that close connection to your mom. Maybe it came from another woman in your life that just blessed you and God gave you that. And it's a beautiful thing to experience the mother's love. But the first thing that a mother's love does to us, and what mothers are known for, and I believe that that spirit can do for all of us, is a mother's love is accepting. Turn to someone and say, my mom was really accepting of me. <laughs> Mothers love or accepting. And it's so funny, I was just thinking of this story. My mom was in the hospital with a surgery <laughs> accepting. She accepted me and my brother's beautiful gift. Uh we come into we come into uh the, the the hospital room and we greet our mother and she accepts our lovely sympathy card with a lily, right? Wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so I mean I, th- I think we thought it was a funeral and she 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 had to hold back the laughter. Me and my brother were really, really serious, and then it was like a, we gave her the lily and a sympathy card, and she did not know what to do with that. She was accepting. She didn't make fun of us. She didn't say, What is this? She just accepted it and said, Well, thank you so much. Moms, turn us room and we say, Thank you so much. Moms are accepting. But what in a mother's love are we accepting? Acceptance, by the way, in the Bible, it's so important because we look at the story and we kind of romanticize being a mom. And although mom is very beautiful and it's, it's awesome, but many moms, you've gone through some tough times in your life, haven't you? And you look at the moms in Scripture and you realize that there was a lot of struggle. And I think of one of the greatest moms of the faith we have is Mother Mary, who, when she was given the child Jesus, that wasn't a fun time for her. She knew that she was blessed, and that she knew, they'll call me blessed of all the moms out there. But let me tell you something. Her life was a life of sacrifice, and she had to determine and understand that, listen, the call of God on my life is not going to be easy. It's not easy being a godly mom. She accepted something that required more strength than any man could muster. Acceptance. By the way, it's abandonment. One writer says the great risk of great lovers. When an awesome power is given over, the power to hurt. No one in the world has such power to hurt as a husband or a wife or an intimate friend. To love is to be vulnerable to that power which lies in the hands of the loved one. When a mother looks into the face of her tiny newborn child, she knows that that little creature already has the power to rake her soul with pain, a power which will grow as the child grows. As scripture tells us, a sword shall pierce thy own soul, said Simeon to Mary in Luke 2.35. To love means to open ourselves to suffering. Shall we shut the doors, our doors to love then and be safe? And many of us, I want to encourage you today, to open your life to that inner beauty that God's blessed you with. You might be called into suffering, you know, we're going to get out of this point, I promise. We're going to get happy again, I promise. But moms and and fathers and everyone, every one of us must understand when we open our life to, to an abandonment, when we open our life to acceptance, we open our life to the understanding that when we love Christ, when God calls us, He might call us through some seasons in our life that might be called to call us to suffer. To take on that spirit of acceptance. It's so important. A mother's love is accepting. Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of the late Jim Elliot, the the missionary, said this abandonment in all cases will mean pain. Christ listed some of the troubles His followers could expect so they would not be taken by surprise and thus discard their faith in Him. You know, Jesus told the disciples kind of what they would go through. And that acceptance of following Him, and mothers, and every one of this building today realize that when you accept that call, and when you go after it, leaving those things behind, leaving our own ways behind, leaving our own path behind, to accept the call that God has for us, He did not offer immunity. Here's what Jesus asked for, by the way. Jesus asks for trust. He doesn't offer immunity. I always used to love this. We used to play Monopoly in Bible school. Me and the guys would play in Bible school until like 2 or 3 in the morning, and then we would try to wake up for class the next morning. It was me and Jason and Neil, and we would play there. And, you know, I would be beating Jason one night in particular. I wanted to to kill Jason. I did. I wanted to. Murder was in my heart that night. He, I was winning. I was blowing him away, and he sold all of his properties to Neil for a dollar. I said, you can't do that. You, Yes, you can. It's in the rules. So he didn't want me to win, so he sold all his properties, and I lost because he sold his properties for a buck. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about here today. <laughs> I've got to get back on immunity. Back on immunity. So one of the things we would do in Monopoly, you know, when you start getting the hotels and the houses and everything's around on those, and you start building up, and you realize, I've got to go over to the greens and the yellows, Marvin Gardens. Oh, my gosh, Marvin Gardens is coming up. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, roll the dice. And so what I would do is I would say, listen, will you give me immunity for two rolls? And it's, it's great because you go through and you, you have the immunity that you can pass through. The next one say, can I get immunity for just one more roll? Immunity, God doesn't offer immunity to us, does he? He does say, trust me because you will get through it. And mom's... When you're in your stead praying and you're accepting and you understand that you can't change circumstances. How many know it's really hard when you try to change circumstances and they're just not changing? And you trust God now in this moment. And you realize that you're not immune to the problems. And we have all our cute cards and Homer has done a great job of painting pictures and they're beautiful and I get it. But life more often is not about that and it's more about trusting God through the problems and through the sorrows of life, and saying, God, I'm going to trust you in ways. I'm going to accept the plan that you have for my life. Moms, what do we do when we feel the pain and there's not too much progress? People, what do you do? Family, what do you do when you feel more pain than progress? And this is where we abandon ourselves to God. I want you to write down a beautiful promise right now for you. One of the most beautiful scriptures, Psalm 56, verse 8. I want you to write it down first and then turn there. And I want a mom to read this verse. She'll do a much better job. In fact, I'm going to let my mom read it. She's going to punch me. She gets to read it. My mom gets to read it. Psalm 56, verse 8. She's going she's to get me at lunch. Verse 8. You have taken account of my laundry. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Isn't that amazing? Amen. I love it. Psalm, what, what my translation says. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one of them in your book. God keeps a record. You know that? Mm-hmm. Now what he does with our sins is this. He casts them as far as the west is from the east. God has forgotten our sins. He remembers them no more. But he doesn't forget sorrows. He doesn't forget pain. Do you remember when the children of Israel, when the Jews were, he heard their cries, he heard their cries, he heard their cries. When they were going through, he heard their suffering. Don't give up, because God is giving account to that. And every time you've cried over your family and every time you've cried over your children that haven't gone to where you thought they might be and dealing with the problems and the pain and trying to find solutions in that, I want to tell you, I love, I said it before what Charles Spurgeon says, tears are liquid prayer. Scientists have actually defined and they've taken samples of tear ducts and they've taken samples of when those tears come and they actually know the difference between tears of pain and joy. There's actually different chemicals going on. Your tears matter to God. I want to give you a promise today, Moms, if you will hold on to that and say, "God, you, this suffering's not for nothing. I am not forgotten. I am not thrown out into an island of forgetfulness. Don't give into the devil's lie that God doesn't care, or that He's not even paying attention to you in your pain. God is paying attention. And he's getting you through it. I love the promise of Scripture when he says in Isaiah, that he says, when you go through the waters, I will be there. You won't be drowned. And when you go through the fire, you won't be burned. And folks, I want to tell you today, when you go through those, you might go through, but you won't be drowned and you won't be burned. You'll come out on the other side. That's one promise, if I can tell you today. With all the sorrow and all the pain, it will be worth it. Psalm 37, let's turn there. Beautiful promises continue. Psalm 37, 18 and 19 says, Day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times and even in famine they will have more than enough. How many have you have been through some rough times in your life and it still was okay and you got through it? How many get-throughers do we have in the house today? We got a couple of them. You got through it. You're here. It's a beautiful thing. You got through it. And people say, well, man, listen, I'm struggling here. You got through it. Do you know how wealthy we are today? We got up today. We had electricity in our house. We had the running water. We had beautiful things. You got through it. The bills came and the bills went. And you're still here. You had enough. But some days, we have hot dogs, we have the tube steak, right? And you got through it with the tube steak, didn't you? Many of us are tempted sometimes to conclude that because God doesn't fix it, He doesn't love us. How many wish God would have fixed it a long time ago? You you can be honest. Elizabeth Elliot writes, this acceptance I speak of, by the way, this is really important for us because it's not a case of acceptance, okay? That's not what Pastor Steve teaches. This acceptance I speak of, Elizabeth Elliot writes, is not pacifism, quietism, fatalism, or resignation. It's not capitulation to evil or the refusal to do what can and ought be done to change things. It is the distilled act of faith, align one's will alongside God. God's a putting of oneself at one with his kingdom and his will. In other words, remember when Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus put... The other opportunities aside, to pursue the will of the Father. There was an acceptance. There wasn't just a laying down of fatalism and saying, whatever works, folks. If there's bad stuff going on in your life, you can stand like a T-rail and speak the life of God in that situation. You don't have to be passive about it. And that's not the quiet spirit that Scripture teaches us women, by the way. It's a quietness and gentleness, a pliability that God is speaking through in that Scripture for us. But don't accept things just the way they are. It's not pacifism. But it is saying, God, I don't want my will in, in, in my life. I want your will in my life. It's putting your dream aside and your opportunity to say, God, what's the bigger plan and purpose for my life from you? Many of us are tempted to conclude that God, if he doesn't fix it, that he doesn't love us. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. You know what's cool today? He will, his love won't grow. Do you know that? His love is so complete today. He loved you when you were down and out. And when you weren't, quote, performing. You know, moms have to perform all the time and always be 100% on. He loved you when your performance wasn't that great. He loved you when you messed up. He loved you when you didn't do it quite right. He loved you when you weren't there, when you thought you should have been there. He loved you! It was complete then. And it's complete now doesn't grow more as He gets to know you. God knew you, and before you were even born, He knew you. And your abandonment to selling out to God, Nancy Carmichael writes, we may find ourselves going places and doing things we'd rather not do. How many people in here are doing some things you'd rather not be doing? There are times in my life and situations where I'd rather not be doing what I'm doing. I'd rather be doing something else, and I complain. Has anybody ever complained in here before? Complain in your spirit this is stupid. I don't want to be doing this right now. I want to be want to be doing stuff for me Any moms going places or doing things you'd rather not be doing any people? This is God calling you to forgive right now or to love and maybe you're doing the thing that you don't want to do Maybe right now your job in life is to cover up some other person's sins in their life right now You know that the Bible declares the love covers a multitude of sins so your love, mom, can cover up that situation. Your acceptance in this situation is not to say that everything's okay, but your love squelches the fires of pain and bitterness and lack of progress. Your love can do so much. God so loved the world that He covered it all up. He said, I'll take all the pain. I will cover it. I will take all The judgment that you deserve because I love you. That's the power of love. And it's not humaneness in the news. Why is obedience so hard sometimes? Jack Hayford writes this. What do I do when the ways and promises of the Lord? Do not answer to human logic and rationale. You know, sometimes the things that God calls you to do don't answer to human logic and rationale. Does it make sense right now to me, God? I don't get it. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know why, with the acceptance of this, how this is going to take place. He goes on to write, please notice this. I didn't say God's ways are illogical or irrational. They're not. But they are different. Folks, God's ways are different than ours. And often, they don't square with our common sense and track with our own lines of reason." Many times in life, it's not going to make sense to our sense of logic. Jesus said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. And it didn't mean that we'll never get in line with that, because the Bible teaches us to put on the mind of Christ. So what we need to do in determining our life is say, well, God, teach me your ways, and teach me your thoughts. That's a beautiful thing in the acceptance of God's will. God, teach me your ways. And teach me your thoughts so that I can know and I can make a determination in this. God's plans are my plans. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 10. Let's turn there real quick. Turn to someone real quick and say, I'm going to be really accepting this week. You didn't say it. (laughs) Living sacrificially is so hard. Isn't it interesting when we start to live for the other person in our lives, loved one, we can start to see some things and grow out of that, and it's a beautiful thing when that happens. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. In any circumstance you find yourself in, you can carefully determine, God, is this pleasing to you? And it's so beautiful. Be a person known for obedience and don't go back. Because God is not done. Number two, a mother's love is this. A mother's love is committed. Isn't that beautiful? A committed love. I love that, how a mother with her child and how she is attached to that child. She is committed To that child. She is, she hears the child. When that baby cries, a mom will be able to take apart and know in a crowd whose baby that was. That's my baby. Jack Hayford writes: Not knowing what hardships or heartaches lie ahead of her in a foreign land, Ruth, she chose to cling to what was left of her new family rather than returning to the old. In doing so, she placed herself in a position to find a new time. And a new place. Ruth, we think of the powerful woman in Ruth, right? Ruth had her mom Naomi, and Ruth, her husband passed away. Ruth wasn't part of the Jewish culture; she was she was outside of that. And and um, Naomi said, "You can go back home to your people." Ruth decided it was she can walk with her and go forward with her. She says, "I have nothing to give. I have nothing to go after. I'm going to cling to you." It's an amazing thing how Ruth committed her life. To Naomi, Ruth's very powerful words were this. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. She was committed. Ruth was young, beautiful. She could have gone back to her own thing. Here she was clinging to Naomi. They didn't have anything. Naomi was going to the land she was going to because there was a huge uh, drought that was going on. She had to go find bread. Naomi was going through her own bitterness and her own despair because Naomi's husband had passed away. And Ruth realized that there was something more. Your God will be my God. See, it's interesting. She saw this mother. She saw this beautiful woman who was walking after God. And she said, I want what you have. Jack Hayford writes, many times in our commitments, we grow weary and we grow full of self-pity so often. Naomi, even in her own situations, was in a place where she said, basically, I'm... No more. Nothing's going to happen. And little did she know some of the greatest blessings would come through the Kinsman Redeemer in her own life. We take one for the team. How many moms have taken one for the team before in here? Moms always take it for the team. They're the last ones to get something for themselves. They're the last one to eat. I loved in the Christmas story the part where the mom was making the dinner. and. Uh, Ralphie was talking about how his mom could never sit down and never eat. It was just a funny little moment. She could never eat. Moms are always the last to get everything. Jack Hayford writes, This is what self-pity can do to any of us. We become so obsessed with what we've missed or what we've lost that we no longer have eyes to see the wonderful provision that we actually have. Or hope dawning just outside our shuttered windows. We forget and don't realize that all the situations that we're going through and all the pain that just outside of our windows, there's opportunity. There's still hope and there's still opportunity. And these moments, I love what Psalm 35 or Psalm 37 verse 5 says in your commitments. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him and he will what's inside of you today it's the costly course of commitment i heard a poem that was written in john rice poems it said if i were hanged on the highest hill mother o oh mine oh mother o oh mine i know those, i know whose love would follow me still mother o oh mine mother O'Mine, oh mine if i were drowned in the deepest sea mother o oh mine mother O'Mine, oh mine i know whose tears would come down to me Mother of mine, mother of mine, if I were damned by body and soul, mother of mine, mother of mine, I know whose prayers would make me whole. Mother of mine, mother of mine. And I think about the power of a praying mom who is committed to her family. The craziest stuff can be going on. And the fabric that is holding that family together is not finances, is not the bonus, is not the awesome house not the cars and not the dream vacation but a praying mom. Have we forgotten the power that is within us to be able to pray life and blessing into the people around us? To hell with our raises to hell with our big houses To hell with the fancy cars. And may there be raised up again a generation of young women who pray, who pray, who pray like they mean it for the loved ones and the children and the people surrounding them in their life. Thank God to the mothers who pray! Ruth starts serving in the field. And what they would do in the fields is the farmers. The kinsman redeemer, he would say, leave a little bit behind, and Ruth is tilling a field and working the field, and she's picking up some of the scraps as they're working through the harvest. And God's favor starts to rest on her. I want to tell you that as you are committed to God's call for your family, I want to tell you that God's favor will rest on you. Favor. She starts picking things up. She brings it back to Naomi, and she looks, Naomi, we're blessed. I mean, they had an abundance of food for that, because Ruth stayed committed. I want to tell you, stay committed and don't give up. Stay committed to your family. Stay committed to your children. Pray for them through the night. Do whatever you can do. And I will tell you this, that in our family, my mom fought, fought, and fought for our family through prayers and praying in the spirit. And your commitments, your fights are worth it. Fight the good fight of faith and believe great things. Stay in the field and don't quit. Here's what you will find as you work in this field and stay committed. I love this verse of scripture, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Matthew 11 verse 28. You've been committed. Not you've been committed. That didn't sound right. <laughs> You're, you are committed. You haven't been committed. It might feel like you need to be. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Anyone in this place with that? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. See that verse from 1 Peter we read earlier? The Spirit of Jesus is a humble and gentle heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. It's interesting in Scripture. I was reading one of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's messages, and we're going to go into that. I never looked at it this way, but Jesus said... Here, take my yoke upon you. I wasn't a farmer, but I do know what a yoke is, and that would help steer the load, and that would help displace the load. If you've got oxen dragging a cart around, they have that yoke that they're on there, and he says, take my yoke upon you. I don't want a yoke. Does anyone want a yoke in here? I thought we were free in this place. See, we think when we become believers and we become disciples in Jesus Christ, that he just takes all the problems and the pain away. That's what we teach in church, right? I'm blessed going in and blessed going out. I got no problems, and everyone's healed, saved, delivered. And I got my Ferrari. Anybody here that got that? That's that's what we teach many times. We don't teach the understanding of the daily discipline that Christ has a yoke for us to hold on to. We're yoked with Christ. The Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens, right? We all want to get rid of problems, and Jesus is saying, here's what I'm going to do. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He was talking about also the religious experience that church gives us, where we can't even live under all the rules and regulations and crisis. I came to give you this light burden-bearing understanding that when you're committed to me, it doesn't have anything to do with all this other garbage over here. But one thing we do have is an understanding that we do have burdens that we're going to have to carry this side of eternity. The Bible says that we're to share each other's burdens. We're trying to get rid of all of our burdens. I want to tell you today that God will give you a burden to carry. But here's what he will do by his spirit. He will teach you how to carry the load through life. What's different with a believer and an unbeliever is this. A believer is able to carry and will not buckle under pressure. An unbeliever will go absolutely crazy because they can't handle pressure. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. A mother's love is gentle. Let me tell you something. When the kids want a band aid, they don't run to me, they run to mom. I'll get a band aid, kid. Let's do that. Here, let's get that off the dirt off there. We don't want that. We want mom to take care of us because, Dad, you're going to rip the bandage off too fast. A mother's love is gentle. Learning the gentleness of Jesus is so important to know that he cares for each individual here in this place. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this. He says, learn from me. See how I carry this yoke and do it the same way. Learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble at heart. This then is the yoke he carries, his gentleness and his lowliness. And it's the yoke that we are to take upon ourselves, which Jesus knows will help to make our burdens light. To be gentle means this, folks, to not kick against the goads. Not to rebel against the burden, not to bump against it or rub ourselves sore, but to be quiet and patient and carry the load that has been put on us knowing that it is God who laid the burden on us and will help us go on gentle and humble in heart. To be humble means to know that we are servants of God and that it is the servant's job to carry the load, but it is also to know that we have a good master who will someday lift the load from our shoulders after his burden has sanctified and humbled and purified us. You will find that as God teaches you and leads you and guides you that the burdens you face will become easier to bear. Isn't that neat? Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy to bear. Easy to bear means this, pleasant, good, comfortable, suitable, serviceable. In the legalistic system, it was a severe burden, but service to Jesus was well-fitting. The gentle burden sharing becomes so rare, doesn't it? Many times in our life, we look around and we're committed to our own things, but we forget that other people need us to be committed to them. We say, Man, I don't have enough strength to help other people. God will give you strength. Yes. God will give you strength. He will give you power. Your problems, as they start to get shared and they start to get dealt to other people, and you say, Man, I don't want to dump this on people. How many of you like to dump problems on other people? We get into this, I'll take care of it myself mentality, and then we get buried under the problem. The beautiful part of church is this, is that we're all supposed to be responsible for each other. That's the ideal church. That we're supposed to be involved in each other's lives, and we're supposed to be helping and bearing the load. Craig Groeschel writes this, and by the way, the load isn't just problems or a loss of job or any of this, it's also sins and dealing with problems in our life that we need to become whole with. Craig Groeschel writes, a number of years ago, I preached about secrecy and confession, and our church set up a temporary companion website. On this website, people could post their most carefully guarded secrets anonymously. And the first two months alone, more than 300,000 people visited the site. Tens of thousands revealed the terrible burdens that were weighing them down, including sexual abuse, affairs, violence, and just about every addiction that you can name. While I was grateful that so many people had the opportunity to unload their heavy hearts, I was equally saddened that they felt they had no one with whom that they could share the burdens. You think about in church today, do we even feel like we can share our burdens with some people? And that's our hope with the women's ministry and the men's ministry. With my mom and with Jim and what they're doing and how they're forging that ahead. The prayer is that we can start to build people up and start to carry the loads together. That's why we stress the importance of just getting them and in that to help sharing the load and getting deeper in our faith. It's such a beautiful opportunity. Jump into people's lives around you. We're all very social, aren't we? Social media, right? You know I'm that social media guy? You're supposed to laugh. Statistics show that the average American has 300 Facebook friends, but only two people that they consider close friends. The American Sociological Review says a quarter of Americans, or approximately 80 million people, say that they have zero friends. Today I want to teach you to be gentle. It's hard for me to be gentle. But I want to teach you today that we can be taught through the power of the Holy Spirit to realize that the burdens and the problems that those people are bearing, do you know what? Maybe we just ask to say, hey, maybe can I help you carry that burden? Turn real quick to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Galatians chapter 6. And Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing. This gives us a beautiful opportunity and example of what the church is. You know, we think people are having problems. We're like, oh gosh, they've got those problems. Why can't they just deal with their problems? Nobody in here has ever said that, right? (laughs) Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay very close attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Romans 15, verse 1. We'll end with this one. Moms can teach us how to help bearing burdens. Romans 15.1 says, We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insult of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scripture gives us the hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. Folks, the idea here with this yoke and understanding the yoke that God has given to us, you might have a yoke today and you're waiting for God just to relieve us of that yoke and God's going to teach us how to carry that load with that yoke. And as we become humble with God and understanding that you know what, it was frustrating before, and now when we get in step with God, we realize, God, your favor's on me, and you're moving me places. I'm not kicking against the goats. I'm not those spikes that are behind me uh, to to keep the oxen and and, and going in that one formation and going straight ahead. God, I'm not going to get frustrated over this anymore. I'm going to dive right into it, and I'm going to share the load with those around me. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? May we know the mother's love and more importantly, the one who gave her that spirit, which is Christ Jesus. And I thank you, God, for that love and the gentle humility that you expressed, God, here on earth. And Lord, even when they, the zealots were looking for the amazing Messiah who would topple a kingdom down, God, you were humble as you rode into town. God, I just pray today just the spirit of humility come over us. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just minister to each mom in here, to you would minister to each family. And God, we thank you that you're committed to us. And that, God, you accepted us just the way we are. And God, I just pray today that you would minister just beautiful, beautiful blessings to the families as we minister to others. In Jesus' name we pray. In all God's people said, amen. amen. Folks, I love you, love you so much. And uh, just go express that mother's kind of love this week, amen. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Don't forget, we've got some beautiful bagels out there today before you run off to the buffets or wherever you're going. But we, we love you. Have a great week. God bless. Amen.